On today's episode, Marcus and Josh go meta talking about the NBA player empowerment era and the Andre Iguodala situation in Memphis and also discuss our gut reactions as we enter training camp. All that and more on Locked On Nets. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into a Monday night slash Tuesday morning edition of the Locked On Nets podcast. I am your tried and true host, Josh Bass, a lifelong fan of your Brooklyn Nets. Uh, battling a, a little bit of sickness here today. It's my Michael Jordan flu game. Uh, it's my Paul Pierce getting getting uh, wheeled out uh, of the court. But my man to carry me um, and be that stabilizer that I need, Marcus Barahal. Marcus, what's going on, man? Josh, not much. I, I appreciate you powering through for this podcast. For our listeners, you know, they... They miss us, and, and we're getting close to the season, so we're we're starting to ramp things up. So so thank you for fighting through. Always, you know, you know, I'll do anything for the listeners. We <laughs> love the uh, the listeners, especially shout out to our man uh, King Hove Nine, Kurt J. Uh, he was very complimentary of of us over the weekend. Said he loved the show. Marcus, who knew we had fans? I didn't even know this. Yeah, are you sure that's not a bot? I think it might be actually. We just have hate listeners usually. <laughs> but um, no, this this is good. This is good. We're back. Yeah, I know. Um, uh, we, today actually, as we record uh, on late Monday night, is one month to the net season opener against the Timberwolves. So we're we're in the home stretch now. Yeah. No, uh, I'm uh, I'm very excited for for this. We're on, we're less than a week away from training camp starting. Preseasons on the horizon. And Marcus, I don't know about you, but I just like hate football now. So <laughs> so excited for basketball. Yeah, it's tough to watch. I like I didn't watch any of it really last year just because of like my work schedule. But I've been like a little bit more free on Sundays this year, and it's I don't know, it's lost something. It definitely has. It definitely has. I don't know. I just like I used to be a huge Jets fan, uh, as as both of us. I guess you still are. I used to be, but like it, I, I just can't get into it anymore. I can't get into anything. But it's so still prevalent in, in the lexicon of, of, of the world and in conversations. I feel like I'm missing out, but I'm like just nodding my head along. Yeah, like this this guy with a mustache on the Jaguars. <laughs> he seems cool. Yeah, he threw that, that touchdown. That was definitely awesome, man. But I don't know. I need basketball to get going so people can talk about like Contavious Caldwell Pope and, and Reggie Bullock. Yeah, I feel like if there was no fantasy... I, I don't know, like, if any of our friends would, would even follow football. That's true. It would just be uh, Gavin, host of yeah. <laughs> He's a diehard. He is. He's not letting go anytime soon. Uh, so on today's show, I want to address a couple things. Uh, I think the Andre Iguodala situation and everything that's happened to him upon getting traded from Golden State to Memphis is, is very interesting. And want to start there. Um, and then we'll kind of get into some prognostication as we enter into training camp, like how we're feeling about the Nets, general pulse check, um, our thoughts on on status within the Eastern Conference. But let's get into this Andre Iguodala situation. Um, him and the Grizzlies were kind of at a, an impasse. The Grizzlies didn't want to, to buy him out without giving him, uh, without kind of taking a significant portion of his salary away. Iggy was obviously entitled to the money, so he didn't want to do that. Um, but also didn't want to play for the team, just given that this is 
Uh, is this officially his last year or, or kind of in his, obviously, twilight of his career? But what's the, what's the update there? Yeah, I don't think it's it's anything official, but uh, it definitely could be. I mean, he's 35, so he's he's near the end. Right. Okay, but yeah, he just won, three, he won uh, two chips with Golden State, or three chips with Golden State, sorry. Um, and, you know, he doesn't want to go from that to playing with uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., Brandon Clark and have to deal with a rookie point guard, John Moran, even though I think um, Memphis could be a really fun team and almost like obviously nowhere even close to this, but more so the mentor role that he was originally brought into uh, when he came to Golden State, kind of doing that for uh, a less talented, but still uh, has some promise Memphis team. Yeah, for sure. And he's a guy who the last couple years, like hasn't really done much of anything in the regular season but then once the playoffs come around he's like a huge piece or he has been a huge piece for the Warriors but on both ends of the court really and uh to kind of switch to this type of team where they are almost definitely not going to make the playoffs so he would really just have the regular season which is something that I I think at his age he doesn't really care about and the only reason he's playing is for the playoffs like it's almost like he should sign a contract with a team that was like just for the playoffs and like just avoid the regular season yeah, no, he, I mean, he should. It's what he's saving up all of his energy for. I don't think he's going to get paid that, that much just for the playoffs. Actually, who knows? But anyway, so they, they reached a mutual agreement, the Grizzlies and, and Iggy. He's going to skip training camp. He's basically not going to play. They're going to look for a solution to uh, find him a home of at least someone who's going to be kind of in the in the playoff mix, I would think. It's tough to find a fit, uh, just given that he's making $17 million a year and a lot of other players that make that much money on these contending teams contribute a lot more to at least the 82 game season than Andre Godala does. And I think it brings up an interesting question regarding player empowerment, Marcus. And it's, it's such a kind of um, so completely different than the NFL where there's no guaranteed salaries and the players have no say over things. But in the NBA, all the contracts are guaranteed. The players ha- are really getting that guarantee money. And also now kind of over the last Really, decade or so, um, I feel like it, it really took off when LeBron went to uh, the Miami Heat. I guess even before that, when kind of KG and Ray Allen teamed up with Pierce in in Boston. But what do you think about the kind of player empowerment era? Because I feel like it's almost, there. we've almost reached a point of no return where I don't see it anyway where it's going to revert back unless there's a, another lockout, which obviously we wouldn't want because uh, we are such diehard NBA fans and clearly we hate the NFL. So there's no other sport to keep us pride. <laughs> but when it comes to the, with guys like Andre Udala that are um, very much towards the end of their career saying, Hey, I want my 17 million. Uh, I want my cake. And also I want to eat it too. It just makes me feel uneasy where it's like, I don't see a way that this kind of gets better. I feel like tensions are going to continue to rise amongst players really just trying to handpick their destination. And it's going to leave teams like Memphis and some of the other smaller markets that are rebuilding completely out in the cold. Yeah, I, I think that I'm like completely pro-player like for the most part, but I think that what you're saying about this particular situation makes sense because like Brian Windhorst made a great point on the jump earlier today about how Iguodala, like, once he is, either is or if he is bought out, uh, once that happens, he'll be able to sign like a new contract with a, another team, and the veteran minimum is $2.6 million. So he's going to be making more money, so he can afford to give some of it like back to the Grizzlies right now. And I just think that like, if you didn't want to be traded to a team like Memphis, like maybe negotiate a no trade clause into your contract, like there are ways where you can kind of control your fate uh, 
in that respect. And I know that like a guy like Andre Iguodala is probably not going to get a no trade clause, but I think that that's like the type of thing where like you sign the contract, you like they don't have to buy you out, they don't have to do these things. But at the same time, like the players do have all the power, and Andre Iguodala is like a very influential guy in the league. I'm pretty sure he's on the NBA PA, like on that whole board, but. Like, do you think that Memphis handling the situation they are, is that like, it, could that affect them with potential free agents down the road? Is that something where uh, maybe guys who like Andre Godal are like, oh, they kind of like did him dirty. Like, should we not go sign there? Um, I don't even, I don't even think it's doing it, him dirty because if, I mean, it's all about how their team is on the court. Cause if they ha- end up having a good team, then people are going to want to play there. And because it right. is a, a market where it's it's small, but one great barbecue. So I don't know, Andre Iguodala, you could get some, <laughs> some awesome barbecue. Um, you can make your way over to Nashville and get some hot chicken, uh, read all the Ringer articles on it. But I think at the same time, it's like also when it becomes relevant, when they actually are very good uh, and they're trying to sign like top tier free agents, or not top tier free agents, but guys that can really help contribute to a winning culture. Who knows if the organization's gonna gonna even be in kind of in place? Obviously, Chris Wallace has been there forever. Um, I think he's been the GM for for at least a decade now. Um, but in three years' time, he could not be there. So I think these things are so constantly evolving. The Nets were a laughing stock uh, five years ago, and now they're considered with their GM and coach tandem to be kind of a, a model organization. So I think players have. Um, more short-term memory about these things, and it is very situational. But the thing with Andre Iguodala is that if he doesn't want to play for Memphis, there should be like a price tag on that. So it's basically kind of doing a risk and reward, saying I will give up five or six million to um, for you to, to kind of buy me out. So it's like he has he has the optionality to do that. It's not like he's being held captive and not getting any of the money. Um, and it's also not like he's going to be living there 365 days a year. The offseason, he can live wherever he wants. He's on the road constantly. Memphis is is a, a good city. So it's like it's not like they're sending him out to Siberia. And I definitely get that. No one wants to be a held captive in a place where truly they don't, they don't feel like they're going to um, be happy. But he has there has to be some give and take there. It can't just be um, this this kind of singular decision to say, I want my $17 million and to stay where I am. Um, I think there has to kind of be some give and take on the player's part. And ultimately, I see why why Iggy kind of um, was steadfast about it because ultimately he's getting what he wants for the most part unless things change or they'll, they'll find him a trade partner uh, and get allow him to keep his salary. But um, it's just tough for me to kind of rationalize it because I feel like I'm obviously very pro-player, but uh, things like this just kind of rub me the wrong way in that the organizations are going to slowly continue to lose more and more control. And maybe that's fine. Maybe we'll find an equilibrium, but um, I think it's disconcerting from a fan's perspective because ultimately we're fans of teams. I'm a fan of the Brooklyn Nets. I'm not a fan uh, of just the 12 players on the Nets and follow them wherever. I'm a fan of the Nets as a whole. Yeah. I mean, I think that's changing though. I I think that like a lot of people younger than us are, more so fans of like specific players and like uh even like people who aren't younger than us like our friend James who grew up in another country and so was only able to watch like certain games he's just like a LeBron James fan so like whatever team he's on that's the team he's going to root for and like you do develop attachments like he does still like appreciate the Cavs even though LeBron isn't there but it's not the same thing and I we've also we've talked a lot about Memphis but like the Warriors are the ones that traded him and like they traded him at a time where uh, a lot more teams had cap space and like could have absorbed his contract. So like, 
I think that they definitely are like partially, I guess, to blame for this situation just because like they chose to send him there, you know? Yeah, exactly. The Warriors get off scot free. <laughs> it's also not there. It's there's no fault right. in the situation. Um, I just wish that the team teams and players would almost have a bit more flexibility when it comes to. And I get there's so much politics behind it. Um, and if they were, and it's like from Iggy's perspective, especially with someone that is on the Players Association board, like they they don't he doesn't want to be giving up money because he knows that's going to cause um, kind of a precedent for future players to give that up. And as, some, as someone who's representing all of the players, he wants to, to hold fast. But I feel like just it, it gets so political sometimes, uh, and it's frustrating because Andre Iguodala is a fantastic basketball player, um, someone who's been a joy to watch in, in his very long career, uh, someone who could make the Hall of Fame one day. Um, and, and it's just tough to see these kind of things, not, not mar his career in any sense, but um, get in the way of, uh, as opposed to appreciating his twilight years. Right, for sure. And, uh, like, at the end of the day, I think we both just want to, like, talk about basketball. And, like, I think that this stuff is super interesting, but I, I think we are, bottom line, we're here for the games, you know. Exactly. We're here for the games. And <laughs> like I do like the drama, but I feel like not this type of drama. I like more Twitter drama, um, just, like, seeing crazy things that teams do. I like seeing... The Orlando Magic, like leaving their free agency target for it, whiteboard, <laughs> uh, and posting it on Twitter. That's what I like to see. I don't like yeah. to see um, really like tough contract uh, negotiation, not contract negotiations, but um, stalemates between players and, and teams. Yeah, we want more of uh, of Paul Pierce tweeting out like screenshots of emojis. That's what we want. Yeah, exactly. I like. I love that. I I think what I'm going to do this year is compile. A running list of all the great moments that happen on Twitter because I forget so many of them. Oh, that's a good idea, actually. I, our friend, uh, our friend Cam uh, is trying to like write a book of his favorite tweets. So this, this is in a similar vein. He's writing a book. Uh, he's more just like printing out screenshots, I think, of his favorite tweets and then putting them into a book. I don't know. Yeah, interesting. Uh, this is good conversation fodder. The next time we uh, get brunch with him. Oh, for sure. That's good. We'll report back on that brunch, but now. Uh, let's get into the Nets. Enough with kind of the, the broader NBA. You come for the local analysis of your favorite team. Uh, and when we want some local analysis of the food market, we go to DoorDash. Long day at work, still stuck in the office. I've been there. Treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order, $15 or more. When you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Marcus, so training camp is, is upcoming. The Nets will be venturing into Shanghai after that for some exhibition games. Um, just another another uh, aspect of them trying to really become a, uh, a global team, obviously, with superstars like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and then continuing the international leadership they've had uh, at the helm with, uh, obviously, Mikhail Prokhorov transitioning to Joe Tsai. And then also, uh, people forget this, New Zealand GM, Sean Marks. International, all across the board. Love it, love it. Janan Musa and the gang. Uh, so, Marcus, I guess what, what I wanted to do here is, as we head into uh, training camp, and we'll do this right before we head into the regular season as well, uh, in addition to kind of some more in-depth predictions, but 
Give me a pulse check on how you're feeling about the team. Obviously, some very unexpected things happening um, with Wilson Chandler and then obviously the very unfortunate situations situation with Rodion's Karuts. Um, but in terms of how you're feeling about the Nets team right now compared to um, the free agency signings that they had made right, when, right in July, um, are you feeling kind of better, worse, the same? Where do you think they're going to be stacking up against kind of the uh, upper echelon of the Eastern Conference right now? Um, I'm feeling about the same, maybe slightly better. Um, just seeing, like, I've just been looking around at, like, what sites have been predicting for the Nets, and, like, CBS and uh, ESPN both have them, like, finishing fifth in the East with, like, around 45, 46, 47 wins, which is, I think, around what we expect. But then I go to, like, a site like 538, which we love. Uh, shout out to Chris Herring. But uh, yeah. they have the Nets finishing 38 and 44 and in eighth place in the East. And so, like... I, I know that that's just one site, and that's a prediction that's based on, like, their algorithm, which is probably uh, at its most wrong, like, before the season starts, before they've seen, like, chemistry and all that stuff. But even still, I think that the Nets could, surpri- could surprise some people. I'm expecting them to finish, like, at worst fifth in the East, and I think third or fourth is, like, within reach, especially if Victor Oladipo doesn't come back right away or is hampered when he does come back in November or December. For Indiana, and I, I'm just not really buying like what the Celtics have. I like Enos Cantor as a person, kind of, but as a as a basketball player, they're like pretty flawed with him uh, and Kemba. As like like that tandem is just gonna get roasted in the pick and roll. I feel like every night. And with mm-hmm. Brooklyn, they do have that big hole at the three four spot that we've talked about, but their guards are so strong with Lavert, Dinwiddie, and Kyrie, obviously, and then. At the center position on the back line with uh, Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan, I think uh, regardless of what DJ has lost and what Jared Allen lacks so far in terms of his finishing and stuff, I think defensively that is still a good uh, center rotation. And then with Joe Harris, I think they have shooting on the outside. I think they have just like a nice balance and a nice mix of players to win a lot of games in the regular season and then hopefully develop that cohesion towards the playoffs and, and maybe reach round two. Yeah, no, that I think that makes a lot of sense. And I agree with you on being skeptical on Boston because, like, regardless of, of Cantor coming in, obviously we know he's a flawed player, um, even though he is very talented on offense. Horford, huge loss. And Kyrie yeah. Kemba, you want to say that's a draw. Like, Baines is a really good player that they lost. And I think people underrate that so much because he's not the most athletic in any sense, but he's a really solid team defender. He can hit a jumper. He's a good offensive rebounder, can finish around the rim reasonably well. Um, and he was someone that was very crucial because they could always depend on him and give them a very solid 20 to, to 22 minutes, especially in a lower usage situation. Um, because now Canner, he likes to post up a lot. And he's he's very good at it. Uh, and I don't think he's going to be a malcontent because he's always someone that's just very happy to be on it where he is. Um, but now you have a lot of perimeter players you have Kemba Walker, you have Jason Tatum, you have Jalen Brown, who's entering his final year of his rookie contract. And I think he's going to want to prove himself a bit more um, as kind of a, a playmaker and scorer because it's some it's an area where he's definitely stagnated um, since coming into the league and not really his strong suit. But I think he might be one of those guys that says, hey, if I want to get a nice size contract, this is what I need to step up my game. And I, I'm worried for them that they might have too many perimeter mouths to feed. But I think the Nets can play off each other pretty well because Levert is someone that likes to have the ball in his hands but really is much more natural, I think, as playmaking for others. And obviously you have Kyrie and Dinwiddie 
that can uh, are definitely both very much shoot first, score first. Um, but I think Kenny can balance their minutes up enough. When you look at the 538 projections, it really comes down to that they're not super high um, on really Torian Prince and Karis Levert. So Levert, it, kind of his offensive uh, plus minus that they give, which I think kind of is the, the rating that you add to either like the offensive or defensive efficiency, how much value they're adding. They have Levert as kind of a neutral on offense, um, nearly a, a negative one on defense, not high on Torian Prince also. Um, Joe Harris, they're not as bullish on our offense as some other people. So it, it's interesting. But I think Levert is kind of an interesting case because by the advanced stats, he is someone that has really been, I, what I'd say is kind of an overrated player uh, throughout his career. He can put it together and it looks brilliant, but he needs to put it together over a full season. And when you have uh, his his kind of unreliable shooting, that's where the Nets can really run into trouble when he's playing the two especially and you have a so-so shooter at the three and four and then a big man playing the five, there's just not enough spacing to crack a good defensive team. Yeah, and I think you hit the nail on the head. I think that the team will kind of go as Levert goes this season. And I think you and I both expect him to have a really good year and to be in that conversation for most improved. But if that doesn't happen, then yeah, it would be it would be very tough for Brooklyn. Yeah, most improved. You know, he's already ranked at number 60 in the ESPN.com's <laughs> best player, which I was shocked when I saw that. I feel like those lists are always like almost intentionally terrible just to get people like tweeting about them. Like they'll put like a random like DeMarcus Cousins will be like 15th or something still. I feel like. Yes, I, I they're like always two or three years too late. The, the yeah. Ben Gallagher one on SI is actually pretty good. Um, I think it's pretty accurate. They had Spencer Dinwiddie in the top 100 last year. I feel like both Dinwiddie and Levert should be in the top 100, but I'd put them both kind of in like the 85 to 90 range. As a, like Levert at 60 is just criminally insane to me because he hasn't put it together for a full <laughs> season or even close to a full season. Um, it's really kind of been a 10-game spurt, a good playoff series against Philly. Do I think he has the potential to get there? Absolutely. Uh, but I need to see it first. Um, so it's interesting. But I feel like on the individual player level, with all the Nets guys, I do feel really good about it. I'm just really excited to see how it fits together, uh, especially I think the Kyrie, Dinwiddie, um, Levert triangle. That's going to be my favorite part to watch. And also to see how Kenny manages uh, DeAndre Jordan taking him backseat to Jared Allen. Yeah, I'm excited to see how much Kenny plays the lineup of, of like Kyrie, Dinwiddie, Levert, Joe Harris, Jared Allen as a fivesome. Because I feel like those maybe are the Nets' five best players, but it's going to be tough to get them all on the court just because it's basically four guards plus J.A. Yeah, well... I did. I feel like they went to that a little bit more frequently yeah. the latter half of the year. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But that was also a lot of that was because I think Dinwiddie was really struggling after he came back from his thumb injury. Um, he just wasn't getting to the basket as much. He had like that big funk, especially for 10 or like 10 games or so. And I think at that point, like they had been relying on Dinwiddie just to create offense by himself. And he was with lineups where he was just handling the ball in every possession and just taking it to the cup. And I think once they didn't have that, Kenny was like, okay, let's just get four good offensive guys on the court and see if we can make something happen because we don't have the the horses that can just do it on their own, like a, a Houston Ken, for example. Yeah, and I feel like, I mean, Dinwiddie's going to come off the bench, I'm assuming, so it'll probably be like a guy like Torian Prince in that 3-4 uh, role for the most part, but I'm just interested to see like if they close with that lineup sometimes. I think that could be really cool. 
it will be fun. It will be fun to see how Kenny juggles everything. Uh, I, I'm just so jazzed up for for training camp. No pun on on uh, David Locke, but <laughs> it's going to be really good. We're going to be there to cover it every step of the way for you guys. Um, that's going to do it for today's podcast. Please subscribe to us um, wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's Himalaya, Apple, Spotify, you name it. We're going to be there. Uh, follow us on Twitter at LockedOnNets. If you prefer Marcus, which I'm sure almost all of you do, that Marcus Barahal. Me, I'm at JMBass underscore, but you don't have to choose. Just follow us both. Uh, please rate and review, and we will be back soon. And until then, be well. Bye.